0: This podcast is a proud member of the That Moment In podcast network. Check out the network at thatmomentin.com. Hello and welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. I'm your host always Edward Jones and joining me is the Professor Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello, hello, hello. And tonight you join us for a rather festive, if slightly early, edition of the uh, AC Film Club as tonight we're going to be looking, we're looking at the 2003 uh, anime by Satoshi Kon Tokyo Godfathers in which a trio of homeless people find a baby and just set on a quest to return it to its parents. But before we get into that is of course the time where we ask what you've been watching and Stephen, I mean we've had a slightly small gap between recordings and uh did you manage to cram anything in at all?
1: I haven't no because you know we don't want to ruin the production schedule, but there hasn't been a long time since <laughs> since our last episode, and maybe okay. that maybe that film disturbed me so much <laughs> i haven't wanted to watch anything for a while i i kid i kid but no nothing to bring up
0: i have to say that word of kanako has had a surprisingly strong female following like all my female like blogging friends have just been like saying about they've been like clicking like or they've just been wanting to talk to him about this film and the guys have just stayed stum and i thought it would be the complete opposite. i thought we would just like we'd just get nothing but hate mail from from my female friends and uh the guys would just be relishing the opportunity to be perverts or whatnot but uh no it's been completely opposite so uh i, it's, I, had, uh, no,
1: I had no idea it would appeal to that audience
0: <laughs> i had no no idea so many people would want to talk about it so uh all the better really it's always good when you pick something people want to discuss and certainly that's a a film that i think was certainly an interesting discussion it was certainly an interesting experience to watch it as well uh so yeah it, i'm very keen now to obviously like go back and and look at the other films that i missed out like Kamikaze Girls and uh perhaps revisit Confessions because it's been a while since i saw Confessions as well so
1: it's it's certainly interesting to 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 watch his career move on from Kamikaze Girls through to Wotakona he doesn't have a huge um he doesn't have a huge back catalogue, so it's it's certainly no. doable. Um, but yeah, you'll you, 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 you recognise the sort of the visual ticks, but the, the content is
0: quite different. Well, certainly, if one seems to be in the opinion that as he's getting older, he's just getting angrier and weirder. So it's a good path to go down, kind of like Alan Moore. So
1: well, you, you know, he did look a bit like a Japanese Alan Moore when I saw him with his big beard. So uh, maybe maybe
0: you've you've hit something there yeah Alan Moore is a wonderful wonderful creative man and I think just watching the Watchmen series that's happening at the moment and you realise that oh wow that you cannot replicate Alan Moore at all you can try and imitate it but only Alan Moore can write like Alan Moore can
1: you know, you know it's funny I'm, um, I'm currently rereading his Swamp Thing yeah. I, I avoided the TV remake or the the, the recent TV show which um is now on uh, i think it's on amazon i think um in, in the uk um and and his marvel man miracle man stuff as well and it's, okay it's, it's sort of very very prosaic as he ended up being but um much more linear <laughs> stories are much easier to follow than his later
0: work so like lost girls
1: yeah lost girls is kind of in the <laughs> middle but there's some more sort of more recent stuff he's done i'm uh, excluding sort of the league of gentlemen's league of extraordinary gentlemen stuff he i think he yeah. just finished now but he does a lot of stuff there's a sort of more Prometheus onwards where he's more interested in his magic and his and all that kind of stuff but uh and, and, and somebody i enjoy very much and i really don't know if i want to watch the watchman tv show but i'm pretty certain it'll be crap <laughs>
0: It's not bad. I've had to... I, I got, like, three or four episodes in, and then I had to restart over, because I was, like, watching this, like, I have no clue what's going on here at all, and it it's good. I mean, just watch it as its own thing. Don't try and draw too many connections to the original, because it just causes you headaches, uh, but... Yeah, it's been, I managed to uh, get in a couple of films before we recorded. Uh, the first, obviously, over Movies in Tea. We're still in production for season four at the moment, so looking at angling movies. So I did finally get to watch uh, Crash and Tiger, Hidden Dragon with Kim, which was fun. Uh, Crash and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I've, I haven't watched it in a few years, but going back to it now, it's still as good as, as I remember it being. It's, uh, it's, such a fantastic piece and more than just its sort of set sequences the character interactions especially between Michelle Yeoh and Chow Yun-Fat are just really fantastic and um well I'm trying to remember her name now um Wazhang Z, I I think has lost some of the allure in like uh the years since the films come out she's less of this uh ethereal feel sort of being who just like came out of nowhere and just started kicking everyone's ass in that movie. Um, Is it, it's, it's fun to obviously go back and like recognize other actors because you've what, things you've seen, such as like uh, seeing like the Golden Swallow here, and she's there playing like the Jade Fox. Or you see um, the guy from the, the Father Knows Best trilogy. It's just fun seeing those those connections and being able to make those connections, and just seeing Lee's works and they like step up several notches from like doing The Ice Storm, and then see it doing a high-budget wuxia movie, and especially an influential wuxia movie like uh, Crouch and Taggart, it's quite an interesting leap in his director or style, and it's the films which follow as well, like you know, like uh, Zanzimo's Hero, and uh, House of Flying Daggers, and uh, Curse of the Golden Flower, that wonderful trilogy of films, and it's uh, it, it really sort of I should in that soul, sort of, not just like a revival of, sort of Wuxia movies, but more sort of like the Art House Wuxia style, which I think had sort of fallen by the wayside, and something that um, I think has sort of gone to rest once again, but it was nice for that, that sort of brief period. It sort of came back and reminded us what we've been missing, and now it's uh, gone back in hibernation, I think. I did, well,
1: my opinions on that film are well. <laughs> we spent a long time. I, again, I, I think I think it's a fine cover version. I think it's mm-hmm. important in the ways you know that, that we talked about last time. In that, like, like you just said, you know that it it reignited an interest and and got got things known about. Um, but in some ways, it was almost the death knell of the golden age of Hong Kong cinema because <laughs> because they pumped all that money into it and made it look so beautiful. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll certainly be um, checking out yeah, Yurang Lee season because I think he's a really interesting director and um, one who straddles the East and the West like pretty much no one else I can think of.
0: Yeah. Um, on the more lighter things, um, a recent addition to. Netflix, well as of today when we were recording, is uh, Girls on Panzer de Film, which is the film version of Girls to Panzer. Really fun anime series and a, quite a short one as well, where ta- girls um, at, at, uh, at various schools, they learn tankery. Uh, the same way that you would take any sort of optional course and they engage in like mock tank battles with each other so yes it's schoolgirls and military hardware and somehow it manages to work without being overly cute seeing. certainly the film version if you're a fan of the series which was a real surprise because it's not just as I said it's not just cute schoolgirls in tanks it's schoolgirls engaging in strategic tank battles which was really fantastic especially if you're like a a tank nut like myself who just loves tanks it really sort of pays out in spades and the film itself the film version only sort of adds to it yes it cranks up the insanity quite a fair bit you see tanks fly through the air and do all sorts of gravity defying things but at the same time it's a film which opens with a 30-minute tank battle which i think all films should I think the cinematic landscape would just be a lot more accessible if all films opened up with uh, a thirty-minute tank battle. You know, sens- sensibility and tanks. I think that would be uh, a.
1: <laughs> is that is that the new zombies? Is it?
0: <laughs> they, who, we don't need zombies, just tanks. Yourself, yeah, no, like, no, but you, oh. know, like,
1: you know, like you know, every every sort of fifteen years, zombies come and fill yeah. every um avenue. You you you, you are gonna replace them with tanks. World, of world of tanks. Yeah.
0: If we're going to do it, it's sort of like, oh, the brother's coming to throw us out of the stately home. No, if we go and get in our tanks, (laughs) they engage in an epic tank battle across the English countryside for the estate. That would have been awesome. I could have happily took, like, two hours of just wandering around the the moorland after that. But, um, yeah, the film itself is really, really a lot of fun. It's probably one of my rare five-star ratings of this year, so definitely a contender for that sort of top slot. And not only do we obviously have that wonderful 30 tank out at the top, the start. We also have a sixty-minute tank battle at the end, and that leaves about you know about twenty minutes of just character building in between, including a visit to the most bizarre car- uh, sort of mascot land called Punchy Punchy Bear, which is basically a teddy bear that gets beaten up a lot and has this Disneyland-style theme park, uh, which is. So an experience in itself, um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with with that. And if you haven't checked out the series, you can certainly catch it on High Dive. You can catch it on Crunchyroll, and uh, the film you can now obviously catch on Netflix as well. But definitely one uh, worth checking out. It's a fun throwaway two hours of anime fun, and uh, nothing too heavy and serious there. So that would be my sort of pick at the moment. On to other releases, we've. If you're a fan of the Ultraman and Ultra Q, you may have seen that they've recently started putting out uh, collections of the series, which is all really exciting. If you happen to have like a multi-region player or live in the states, and you know, we've been doing some investigating into this because it, the company that puts them out, Indigo Entertainment, is based in the UK, as we were was highlighted to us on the Facebook page by uh, August Ragone, you know, the grand poo bar of kaiju journalism that he is and he was surprised that they were not got a region two they'd not got the amazon prime streaming that they got in the states so we've you know we sent off some emails and we haven't had any response back yet but uh what i'm going to do is i'm going to send steven over and with his michael moore baseball cap and just have you camp out there steven so, uh, you go and hand outside their office ready to jump them.
1: I know, you know, I've never worn a baseball cap in my life. <laughs>
0: but but this is, that's the sign of, you know, investigative journalism that you wear a baseball cap and you jump people as they're trying to go to the lunch or whatever. Yeah,
1: the Michael Moore style is that, and then appear in more of the documentary with more of you than your subjects. I think I'm more of a Nick Broomfield kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> Where
0: well, you're just going to turn it with word boom, Mike. Yeah, pretty much, you know. <laughs> Accuse him of murder. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're gonna we'll send Stephen over there, and you know we'll put you a lunch up, and you just like camp out there like X Files style, and just sit and watch the building and hope they haven't got on vacation or something. Hopefully, uh, by the next episode, we'll have an answer because we've basically we sent a message on the Instagram, we've sent them on Facebook, and uh, we emailed them directly to try and get some sort of answer from them. As yet, it's we've not had anything back, and it's much the same situation we had with like the godzilla collection from criterion which as of recording is going to be due out on monday so only three days away all that uh troll dancing is going to pay off in spades once that comes through you know providing amazon don't cancel it and
1: uh, so, so, so are you getting it sir
0: I, amazon haven't told me that i'm not right yeah so, so
1: you have an order in it, it yeah it will be yours if it comes out it is going to come out i've 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 seen i've seen youtubers unboxing it it exists it's a thing you'll be fine oh, it's,
0: it's not so much the fact it's it's uh it doesn't exist it's the fact that amazon recently have had this real nasty habit of cancelling people's pre-orders mm. and not like telling them to like <laughs> the day it's supposed to come out so this is what this is the sort of final hurdle here. First of all, it was like getting the funds to go. Because, I mean, it's not a cheap set. It's £150, which uh, isn't cheap. But, you know, I've been doing my chores and and uh, counting my pennies. and we- the,
1: tooth, the tooth fairy's been
0: a <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, oh, nothing but soup for me from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so, hopefully... It's all going to go to plan, and by next episode, uh, we'll we have some we'll rep- we'll uh, have some sort of report of how that unboxing went. We'll we'll put something up on the site so you can enjoy the UK version because the Americans, as you said, they've all got theirs like a month ago. So it, it so we've had nothing, but uh, we've you can go on YouTube and you can see it all unboxed and. Uh, yeah, I'm very, very excited to obviously have it because you know it's it's been oh my goodness! I would say it's going to be over 20 years since we last had a a, a Godzilla release in the UK. It's certainly been a long time um, since we've been able to sort of buy new Godzilla material, and the fact that we've got this new set coming over here and it's going to have a region two release, and it, it just makes me very happy. And it hopes that we're going to see more kaiju and uh you know the sort of like Ultraman sort shows start to come across and get those region 2 releases and this is certainly what we've posed to them as to uh, say you know why do we get skipped over in the the UK are we not like a big enough market or is the demand not there and I mean certainly compared to the states we don't have this sort of culture where they're showing all the time like obviously in the states they have like Godzilla marathons on like TCM and uh Elray and over here we used to show them sort of like late night tv viewing you'd have like Godzilla movies and anime and you know outlaw shows like bits and vids and it
1: was Uh, very it was very bits and pieces whereas in um in America, it was very much alongside that Saturday morning programming, not just at, on TV, but also at the cinema as well. Um, sort of a cult. cult <laughs> I, I guess they had more channels to fill, more time to fill, because they probably weren't as constricted. You know, we used to have uh, an hour's worth of children's TV in the <laughs> 70s in a, in a day. Um, and they, I guess they had more to fill, and it was cheap entertainment. The uh, I guess the American armed forces were out in Japan, and possibly had access to this stuff. And uh, yeah, and, and it's probably fairly easy to buy and easy to repeat.
0: Yeah, I would love to get an, an- I would love to get uh, an answer because at the moment there's just seems to be a lot of speculation. So if we can get an answer from an actual distributor, because it's weird the fact that you're a UK-based company, and yet you're only doing a Region One release. It I don't maybe there is some sort of like insider logic that I'm not getting here, you know. The fact that, you know, we're not we're not in the industry, so we that we're not privy to this sort of information of how these things work. So it would be really interesting if we do get a response. As of yet, I am checking our mailbag and we have yet to get no, we have uh, had no response, so. Hopefully by the next episode we'll have an update for you guys on that one.
1: Or at the very least say, Would you like it- us to review it for you and at least you can
0: get a review copy <laughs> that would be awesome I and mean, it's because i would love uh, an if anyone's listening. if anyone's
1: listening i would really want this okay <laughs> yeah uh,
0: and a way to play it <laughs> that would be the key thing that's why we need the region too because i'm not paying for multi-region blu-ray Because it's not this is again this is the thing everyone's like oh you just get multi-region play and then import it and I don't know about yourself soon but anything like import recently seems to get stung by customs so you have to pay for the item again to get them to release it so
1: yeah I mean it's been a long time since I've imported um, visual media but computer games and um um, the eight bit. Japanese computers I collect that come in from Japan end up costing me about ten times as far <laughs> I bid for on that on the auction sites. So uh, yeah, can't yeah if it, if, it, if it hits that magic sort of thirty pound twenty five thirty pound barrier, yeah. you're going to get stung.
0: You guarantee you go down customs. They're going to be messing around with it. Oh, it's worse than that though because it's not just the
1: customs fee. It's yeah. um it's it's you also have to pay 12 pounds for the royal mail to deliver it to your house <laughs> it's um yeah <laughs> it, 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 keep yeah advice everybody keep it under 25 pounds
0: time now to uh, fire the projector and uh, dive into our tonight's feature presentation which tonight is tokyo godfathers <laughs> So Tokyo Godfathers is directed by Satoshi Khan, a director who we've talked about previously on the show. We talked about Perfect Blue, his absolute masterpiece, a film which Darren Onofsky was such a fan of that he bought the rights just so he could borrow shots for. And you can see shots from Perfect Blue in both Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan. And there's a number of uh, sites out there put done like, side-by-side comparisons between that film. And certainly, we, if I remember right, we both enjoyed Perfect Blue.
1: Oh my, oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it's yeah. um one of the uh you know it, it at the time you know i think what i said was it, it's a film that transcends its medium you know the, the fact that it's animated is irrelevant yeah although of course we have both seen the live action version which is shit but <laughs> um <laughs> but you know it it's it, it's it's got little elements of it's, it's very yeah it reminds me of a lot of tonight's film actually um but that's not surprising, is it? it was the same man behind behind the case
0: mm. well it's, it's Soshi Khan, one of those uh, directors taken from us way too soon due to his uh, sad um passing through from cancer and i mean he died at forty six and it's a it's a small but fantastic filmography that he left behind as a as a director i mean he worked on Judge's bizarre venture uh perfect blue was obviously his feature debut and then from like 2001 through to 2008 he was his uh just sort of really coming into his own as a director with like millennium actress toku godfathers his twin peaks x series uh paranoia agent and the wonderful paprika which is I would say is just a huge inspiration for inception and with uh tokyo godfathers it's kind of unusual in the fact that it's moves away from the sort of usual surreal worlds and dreamscapes that his work tends to focus on as here we have a trio of homeless people we've got a drunk um called Jin, a former drag queen named Hana, and a runaway girl uh, named uh, Miyuki. And uh, the trio of them have formed this bizarre little family unit. They look after each other as they wander the streets of Tokyo. And it's while they're rummaging through uh, the, the rubbish that they discover this abandoned new newborn. And they set out to find it's uh parents and reunite uh reunite the child with its with its parents and the film over the course of the film we start to learn not only how they came to each end up on the streets about their past but we also see them all find a way to redeem themselves through this uh quest that they find themselves on now steven i mean sort of opening thoughts on on this one because i said this is a bit of a, a bit of a departure really from what we've obviously seen from con before just in terms of what we reviewed on the show so i mean how did you find him working with sort of more lighter and more festive material
1: i guess i guess it's festive in in some in, in terms of the setting in terms of it's a tokyo full of snow and ice um what i found interesting about it was the characters um these are characters we don't often see in Japanese cinema, um, fundamentally homeless people. Mm. Um, I was having a think back. Um, yes, a homeless people play a part in um, the devotion of Suspect X, which we saw the Korean remake, perfect number. But I couldn't think of many other examples of, of, of proper destitute homeless people um obviously it's not something you know the japanese don't like to advertise of their social problems um certainly couldn't think of many examples in japanese cinema in particular of, of drag queens and homosexuals um you know they're there but they're usually there as um uh, comic foils where this was a sympathetic very sympathetic View of that character, and and a schoolgirl who isn't running around in her um, uniform giving panty flashes. So that 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 that, that strange. The, 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 they are people who clearly exist. We can clearly think of other examples of them, but to see them front and centre as the sort of the three wise men, if we're going to keep the uh, festive theme going, the, of of this movie in some strange sort of family unit, does feel unique and different but then if we think back to something like Perfect Blue you know I'm thinking of the um, that mix between real life and uh, uh madness <laughs> which is there there are there are things there which people don't talk about you know um stalkers and and, and mental illness um uh, overweight people there's an overweight person my god in uh <laughs> in perfect blue which is sort of things we just don't tend to see in japanese cinema so it's kind of interesting it's sort of it's almost like a love letter to tokyo but it just is bringing attention to things and people and types of people that we rarely see in Japanese cinema. Although if we look in other, you know, if we look at French cinema, we see it all over the place.
0: Yeah, definitely. So these are very unusual sort of characters and at the same time they're not your usual movie hobos. Whenever we see like uh, homeless people in film, they're always like, you know, the good nature sort, not the angry drunk sort that uh, that we you tend to encounter more in real life. They're always sort of like, you know, these these good people that have fallen on hard times and here we have a trio who have all ended up on the street through choices that they've made so they've all sort of accounting for their own sort of past sins i mean obviously uh with the case of jen i mean he was a he's a drunk and he was a a gambler um hannah as we find out it was uh it was a case where she got into an argument. She was working in a drag bar and uh, got into an argument with a a client and um, caused a bit of a scene, shall we say? And uh, was further sort of thrown into sort of confusion by a lover dying after he t- trips on the soap in the shower. So uh, she ended up on on the streets. And then we've got our the youngest of the uh, the trio, uh, Miyuki who stabbed her father who's also a cop <laughs> so and she's again she's interesting because you said that fat people and, and obese people aren't shown on film but when she's introduced she is a plump teenager and then we when we see her in present day she's obviously a lot skinnier because of her lifestyle that she's now it, leading
1: but yeah I, I mean absolutely and, and, and just the way that they're done I mean I mean, Hannah the the, the drag queen I mean she's she, she is homosexual yes um you know it's 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 quite clear but it's done really maturely it's not really it's not done in a in an exploitative way it's done quite sensitively um there is that sort of i'm going to call this a lovely moment but it's actually quite tragic where where she reconnects with her old um den mother and uh he says oh yeah what happened to the guy that you're with you know because clearly we see photos and that, that's the brilliant thing about con is that he will use um it's not just what people say and it's not just the actions which is what happens a lot in animated film there's little hints and things around the place like photographs and stuff like that which you can pick up on the details are amazing but he sort of says you know clearly she'd been with this guy and 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 the dead mother sort of whispers to her says What it AIDS?'" and uh and then she goes, no, no, he just slipped on a <laughs> slipped on a piece of soap, but it's um it, it it's a really smart moment that that you know everyone would have thought you know, at, at that time, quite possibly in Japan, all gay people dying of AIDS, you know that you know it's not a very progressive country, it's not like taiwan um and 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 then for it to be something so mundane is just just a piece of genius to my mind sort of a fantastic scene."
0: Definitely so, and it's also during the whole flashback sequence that we have well the the drag bar that it really comes to the forefront just how Con doesn't follow the sort of traditional rules of anime, so you don't have like wide eyed girls, you don't have lashings of fan service within his Films, and at times the the animated style almost drifts off into this like Don Bluefesque style, the rubberness rubberness of like the faces. And there's a really there's like a perfect shot when she's doing, when uh, hannah's doing the song in in the flashback, and uh, the guys the shout one of the clients is shouting abuse at uh, at him, and he sort of interrupts her Interrupts uh, his song, I can't remember what it is he says, but uh, it's suddenly like they have this record scratch and just like pulls this like straight mouth um, expression of pure frustration with this man. And then he just like erupts into this huge um, overblown argument. It was just, it felt like a very sort of Western style animation that was used for those sort of sequences, especially with like the characters' faces and... Was with the, with the characters' movements, you have it like in a more traditional sort of animated anime style. Um, and you'd mentioned already, I mean, with the detail that are in each of the frames, I mean, yes, it's not perhaps on the same level as something like Akira, but you have like characters having conversation, and in the background, there'll be characters who are having their own conversations, so the backgrounds are very living, it's not just like these uh, sort of map paintings that these characters are being transposed upon. And that's something I really, really liked. I mean, it's it's a complete different side of Tokyo than we've seen before. We're not running with gangs. We're not viewing the criminal criminal underbelly of of the city, even though we do obviously get elements of that. And at the same time, we're not being shown as Tokyo as this sort of fantastical place. You know, it's just, this is street level that we're seeing it as and yet he still manages to have these these magical sort of moments throughout it without making it seem like overly forced or having characters suddenly turn out to be magical or something so
1: um yeah and and sort of talk about the style this isn't um the animated style is i guess you say more like sort of televisual Anime than 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 something like um, uh, Ghibli or or even Disney. It's not it's not really delicately animated. That it's um, I, I, I don't know how really how to describe it. You know, it's like a normal film. is like twenty five frames a second. Anime seems to be more like eighteen, and it sort of skips a few bits and sometimes. It almost seems static, but just eyes or mouths move. It's a bit like that, but it's beautifully drawn at the same time. Um, it's funny you talked about Alan Moore earlier. Somehow it was reminding me of David Lloyd's work in V for Vendetta, but then I looked at that and thought, no, it's not. And, and it's, there's, there's something about it, something about that mix of, of realism and then outlandish faces. The faces are very cartoony, but the world that it exists in is very real
0: yeah definitely so and the fact that he's able to weave in the free individual storyline to these these characters and none of the three characters ever feel like they're just the supporting character, they each get their own moment and they each get their own sort of path which they, they follow and even when we split them up they've got enough sort of strength and character to sort of work on their own And we get like large portions with Jin goes off on his own and we have, see, have uh, moments where Hannah's doing her own thing and same with uh, Miyuki's doing their own thing and I think it's nice the fact because it allows these characters to breathe it allows them to have their backstory develop through personal reflection rather than just having these sort of, like drawn out moments where uh, everything sort of presented in, in flashback where they just sit down and it's like oh yeah it was this and that and this and. Yeah even when you think that you know what these characters are like with the character especially with the character Jin, you realize like soon on that just because someone says uh says something doesn't mean that they should be trusted straight away that some things aren't always what aren't uh as led to, the lead the the film leads us to believe they are
1: yes it's interesting because Jin obviously is the one that you think his stories you know he, he gives his story out quite early um and it sounds reasonably believable and matches sort of the, the 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 situation that we're in. And it's only later on that it, it, things kind of get exposed that actually he's been lying to his friends, and um, and, and his story is um, is a little more. Um, what's the word? Uh, he's maybe not the innocent party in his situation at all, which is the way he presented it previously um but that's kind of i think that's kind of good I mean, it's not a long film it's an hour and a half but we get quite a lot of you know we, we get to know these characters and what's put them where maybe i maybe you know we don't maybe see as much of miyuki as i'd like um to fully understand what was going on there um but which certainly gets a full-on character arc uh,
0: he almost gets like this sort of flash of his future when he encounters uh, a homeless old man and the way that this, this old band sort of designed it, it's almost like the are aged Jin's character. And I thought it was going to be much more of a revolutionary sort of moment to sort of like realise there's the path he's on, but it's, it's not. It just really sort of shows this that despite the fact he's on the surface, he's this like grumpy drunk, um, he still cares about the people around him and certainly his fellow homeless people. And. It is, relationship... it, it
1: is um it is it is obviously the ghost of christmas future really isn't it <laughs> that it, you see? it could be tied into that and i was like oh don't do
0: that but <laughs> it's sort of like at least in i don't remember any version of christmas carol where the ghost of christmas future was beaten up by a group of uh of uh angry youths no which... but there
1: are but there are a couple of moments like that because there's also that weird there's a the weird um sort of flash forward flashback sort of fantasy scene with him a little bit earlier isn't there i think or maybe that's what you're talking about there's some there, there, there are some moments some flights of fancy which take it out of the sort of the more grounded world i mean <laughs> so I just, i've forgotten how much i enjoyed this film but like the yakuza boss who's run over by his own car <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's sort of, I, I say how wonderfully realistic and how how smart these characterizations are and there's just a weird thing like that and their and the wedding which is only populated by other yakuza members which i just thought was delightful
0: i mean there's such a charming group that we have here the fact that you essentially got Jin plays the father and hannah's playing the mother and um yuki's playing the child so they've got this surrogate little family that they've they put together and they live in this you know even though it's a homeless situation, they've got this quite nice little box set up going for themselves, so they're living a comfortable life despite the life they're living and even when you think that you know the amount of time that these characters have spent together that you think that they would have each other all worked out it's not it's sort of interesting to see them being as surprised as we are as the audience by revelations that they have over the course of this journey and Also, just seeing, like, how much that Jin and Hannah actually care for each other. Despite the fact they're constantly arguing, they're constantly playing off each other. He's constantly calling her a fag, and she's calling him a drunk. And they, but we get to the film, and she's like, you know, I do really care about that man. And I care what happens to him. And you can tell he also cares about her, even though the, you would think that he would just be just as happy on his own and w- without having the baggage of these other two people around him. Uh, the only one I would... I mean, I wish that in many ways that Miyuki's storyline had more of a revel- resolution to it because obviously with Jin and uh, Hanna's storylines, they, they have these big revelations. They're able to sort of, you know amend for their past sins in many ways and to sort of like get get some uh some small portion of themselves back and with her it's sort of like you see her try to phone her father but she's not able to speak to him on the phone and it just uh feels that she we never get any sort of re- resolution for her
1: no and in fact there's a there's a bit of lack of resolution for the whole thing really isn't there <laughs> um there's there's some hints in that final scene well some things are less of hints you know oh my god you're my daughter that yeah. way. but like there's the winning lottery ticket for example um which obviously is going to make their life so much better but nothing's really done with it um i do hope they got it <laughs> but you know i thought I there was a bit of a this was um do you know, it, it kind of reminds me of those sort of I don't know sort of those caper comedy films you know where um where somebody Mr. Normal or Family X gets into a situation in the evening and they spend the night going across town meeting wacky and strange people and learning a lot about themselves on their way um and and at the end whatever crisis they started with has now been resolved they've met a girl they've they've resolved their different whatever it is a pretty standard thing um it happened one it's night like adventures in babysitting exactly and it feels a bit like that that these there's this family as strange as they are or as unusual as they are certainly to the um to the japanese eye have an adventure over 24 hours something like that um yeah where they meet a whole bunch of characters who all mysteriously have a link to something or other everything everything is a bit connected isn't it um you know in a city of many million people the same the same 25 people are involved in this story they're all connected in some way or the other but it just feels it feels it feels like, but it feels like um yeah it feels like a a, a kind of twisted caper fun family caper movie um it is it, and it's you know, it, it's funny individually if you actually looked at the plot and pulled it apart, we could pick this apart in moments but it's charm and the way it does it means that i didn't really care that things were ridiculous that you know th- things things like that, that, that you know, the yakuza guy then invites them to the wedding of his daughter and it turns out the bride is the is the bookie at the kirin track that Jin lost all his money to yeah, yeah and, and the film's full of those coincidences <laughs> or oh, even the baby that's been left behind oh look here's the clues oh look and, and and the guy owns the strip bar which the mother apparently worked you know there's um there's, there's a loads of that but I, I don't think it matters because it's it's a it's aping a sort of a, 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 a kind of caper movie from an, from an earlier time it doesn't have to be clever and complicated and postmodern. it's kind of genuine and you know it could be made in
0: the 40s we obviously say that and then we get into the final half hour or so where the tr- where they think they've reunited the baby with the birth mother and it turns into something a lot something a lot darker uh before going off on a really random car chase which had moments which made no sense whatsoever and it was a real sort of trip for myself because I, as I said, just watched Girls Underpants of a film today, and they have a whole. The whole thing is uh, the fact they're putting tanks in, in in the unusual situations. So they're like driving tanks for a school, they're driving tanks through an amusement park. So to get into the final chase sequence here, after seeing that, it was sort of like, oh wow, we're now driving trucks through a department store. Uh, well, Jin apparently has uh, suddenly become a. Homeless action hero by by uh, chasing after this this truck that um, that uh, that's that's taking the baby and it's uh he's there hanging off the side and it's just this whole crazy sort of sequence. Yet somehow you still managed to. I did. I don't, know, but sure about yourself. Whether you thought that was sort of like a step too far, or perhaps the uh, the dark tone of this this last half an hour took anything away from the film for you
1: no I, I so so I, I, I guess i guess i've given enough away for this to be uh so if you listen this far i've spoiled everything i spoiled some more yeah um we 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 go really quite dark into uh an attempted suicide and a baby snatching and postpartum depression after a miscarriage yeah. and um yeah and the, and then the car chase which is pretty cool but it's quite cartoony um it's all actually but things are takes advantage of being animated where things seem to sort of bend around corners and, <laughs> and and squeeze through things they shouldn't be able to squeeze through but that that that's fine so there is a there is a bit of a tonal shift now the, the movie starts quite dark you know these are homeless people they are interesting characters homeless and there's a baby left and then and then we go into some adventures which i find entertaining but there's touching moments and then it goes really dark um and so i'm guessing i'm guessing that the, the car chase and the chase across the rooftops later on is um is the way of the film maybe sort of digging its way out of a of a really quite dark place obviously the film isn't going to yeah the film is written by somebody <laughs> it's not <laughs> going to not just going to decide to end by people killing themselves and 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 infanticide and stuff like that but um yeah, it's. Uh, I, I was. I was fine with it because I felt it gave the film a, something else to enjoy. It's a, it's a bit of a potpourri of styles and ideas, and I was fine with it. It didn't go on too long for me, but I know exactly what you mean. That it, um, it, it as part of the jigsaw, did it? Did it quite fit? Not so sure.
0: Mm. I mean, certainly the chase sequence it plays in well, as you said. It plays into that caper sort of element in the fact that you've got gin who's on the truck you've got um you've got hannah and uh, miyuku who are basically chasing the truck with the taxi driver who's been sort of roped into this whole evening he constantly reappears reappe- and then reappears throughout the whole evening so apparently he uh, can't help but pick hannah up in his taxi and uh it, it, Getting the way that it's being shot, it's really playing, in, playing into that whole caper sort of angle, you know, you have the big chase sequence and you have these characters that are now being drawn together through their experience who are just now like, you know, going as a team, they're going to chase do the final big chase sequence and that's what we get here and it's a lot of fun but obviously the scenes before that where we think, oh we've reunited the child and it's birth mother," and it's like, no <laughs> the whole, se- the whole the- even this baby has a past of where it came from. The baby itself is not... Uh, is not separate from, from this situation at all. And we find out... Uh, how the the connection between the baby and this supposed birth mother... Uh, might not be what it seems. And there's some... There, there's some moments where... Con sort of like goes into some darker territory. Um, something between this... This woman and, and, and the baby which... Felt fitting with the character... And the profile that they're writing for her, it never felt like exploitive. And the same with Perfect Blue, where we had the simulated rape sequence and those sort of stalkish elements. They never felt it was exploitive. It wasn't like you know you're watching something like Violence Jack or uh, Devil Man, where it's sort of like det- it's like putting sort of grotesque imagery out there. Here, it seems very sort of grounded and fitting with the story that's being told, even though it is a very much a departure from the sort of light-hearted tale we've had up until this point where it's sort of like the darkest it got is just a bit of infighting between the, the three of them. So.
1: Um, yeah. And uh, th- there was th- the only thing which I struggled with a little bit was one of language, um, where, where Jin sort of throws away the, throws around the phrases, homo and fag and, and, and stuff like that yeah. early on um and i just thought maybe that's just of its time but then when you realize the the relationship that they have you kind of see i mean it's hard for us to say as straight white men to to some of these epithets but um i think they were being thrown away around as a sort of substitute form of affection weren't they um so 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 I, i was i was okay with it and it doesn't dwell on it in fact you know the, the the whole drag queen angle is not really played up at all you know as as far as we're concerned, she's a woman but <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's kind of mature like that
0: it could be and it's only for the fact that Hannah constantly refers to herself as being you know a tired old homo it's constantly repairs to um, himself as being being a homo they reminds us it's like no this is <laughs> this isn't a uh an actual woman we're watching and i think this is the benefit of of anime is the fact that you can make characters seem more effeminate than you perhaps could in as a real life there would always be that sort of line there unless they're extremely sort of skilled um at their technique then it's a lot that blending is sort of more there but yeah it's it's sort of the two things uh, the, with the, obviously the word these words obviously being thrown around. I mean, obviously you have got the family unit and the friendship between them, so you talk differently with your friends and use different sort of slurs and and, and what, with your friends than you would talking to anyone else. Um, and so, also, I mean, this is two thousand and three, so you know these words were pretty much they were thrown around at that point. It wasn't like it is now, where we it's sort of more frowned upon to say words like, like you know, homo and fag and retard and um, those sorts of words that we see now as being more discriminatory and we sort of, you know, frown and move away from and, and try to use other, more appropriate uh, words.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we're, we're very PC, woods and we're um <laughs> we're very progressive here at um, the Asian <laughs> just... Cinema Film Club, but um it was. I think. I think. I think. My point is: this is an animated movie, yeah, with some really quite mature themes and language. This isn't something to show to your children unless they're, you know, not to your children. Mark, put it to my children. My children are, are young women, and, and they're more than capable of handling this. <laughs> they're over eighteen. But um, you know what I mean. This is. This is not a Disney film. This is not a Ghibli film. This is a. The, uh, just like Perfect blue was this is a grown up film which happens to be animated and you have to take you you, you know you have to understand that, that some of the epithets being thrown around and actually that, that 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 sort of end of the second act bit of suicide and infanticide and miscarriages and there's some quite difficult material here um which yeah, it's, um, it's not for everybody.
0: It's just quite amusing the fact that the you highlighted about the dialogue being used and then we look at Perfect Blue and that also had problems with its dialogue as well because when Perfect Blue was released the internet was still in its infancy so you had characters going, what's the internet and what's the page?" and just like looking at, it, looking at the internet all sort of doe-eyed as if it's this like newfangled invention and obviously it's, when you watch it now it seems like kind of bizarre, and I think this, the same took with Tokyo was in 2003, it's very much of its period. These films aren't they're, they're designed to be of their time, they're not designed to obviously for being future proof, and I think that's what I kind of like about, about them it's just that they are of their their sort of time, they're not trying to you know disguise or clean up the way that people act and and, and talk especially of uh, the periods that they're they're made, so but I think in terms of where it sort of stands out I think this is, I mean, if you were like sort of getting into anime and stuff I mean you would start with like the Studio Ghibli movies which are like high on the high on whimsy and there's other sort of light fairs such as like Food Wars and and those sorts of things you can watch and then this is sort of like the the no man's land these sort of films are between the sort of, uh, the whimsical of Ghibli which we get elements of within this film and then you're the sort of more grown-up material and it falls into that same sort of category of uh, the likes of Ghost in the Shell and Akira where it's trying to do something more than just you know explosions and gore with uh, with the style it's trying to tap into deeper themes and ideas and I think this is something that sort of resonates time and time again through con's work it's not just about the surface details there's a lot of depth in there as well to explore so
1: yeah it's um i, mean, I guess we we'll talk when we talk about sort of further watching maybe that's that somewhere we'll go as well but they this is um this is a this is a an entertaining humorous film with some mature themes and and and, and again just like perfect blue you could probably have done it in a live action way as well. But I think certainly around the comedy area, the animation, it being animated makes it work better. I think its title does it a disservice. Um, obviously, the title, it's riffing on an old uh, Western, isn't it? John Wayne Western where something similar happens with some cowboys. But um I, I, I assume Tokyo Godfathers is going to be a film about crime and <laughs> Yakutas and stuff like that, and to find it to be a, a really charming um, alternate family group caper movie um, was absolutely delightful. <laughs> so, so, so well done, sir.
0: I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I mean, it's certainly been on my watch pile for a long time, and it's sort of one of those movies because of obviously the Christmassy sort of setting that I was like, oh, I just you know I have it, save it for my alternate Christmas sort of viewing block. Rather than just watch it in like June, which seems to be the the optimum time for watching Christmas movies now, it would seem. Um, but I'm glad that I mean it's it's I knew that a lot of people out there liked it, and certainly when we posted on the Facebook page and, uh, that we were reviewing it, um, we got some a lot of people saying that they liked it as well. So it's uh it's nice to know that this is another one that. Uh, that lives up to uh, Con's reputation as a master animator. And it's kind of sad at the same time, that the same way that, much like with uh, other directors with small filmographies, the fact that every time you review one, it's sort of like you're a little more, a little closer to completing it. And it's that sense of completion which always fills me with dread with these things. I don't, I don't want it to be complete. I want still to have things to discover and to enjoy. Um, I, just, I don't like the idea of the fact that I would have seen everything that Con's done, so. But thankfully, still got a few things to watch still, so that's good. As well um, for viewing. What would you like to put with this one?
1: Wow, I, I was kind of struggling because I guess uh, the obvious thing would be to do something else, Connie. Um, yeah, and you know, and, and we've talked about Perfect Blue, and both of us love that. Um. um so and then i thought well what about paprika but i think that's a film i'd like us to watch again and uh, as as part of this some other time um so what i came up with is another mature kind of dark material anime um this time from the from the ghibli studio which is grave of the fireflies Oh wow <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a lot darker than this one um but again an example of an animated film that is not for children um that that's really quite dark um but the animation allows uh, an invention and and actually, a deep emotional contact, which you probably only get with it being an animated film. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um. It's not a It's not a Miyazaki. It's um by Isao Takahata. Um. So it it it's not. It's not the one of the more whimsical ones in fact it's exactly the opposite um but yeah i mean i i don't know whether i'd actually watch tokyo godfathers to bring me out of my depression after watching grave of the fireflies or um watch grave of the fireflies as an extension of um onwards but i'd probably need something very sweet and saccharine to finish off the meal
0: <laughs> grave of the fireflies is essentially one that i put in the same category as uh, as the wind when the wind blows it's very much in that um, in that uh, in that world, yes. Which <laughs> a couple of years years back, uh some bright spark on one of the channels they said oh, they thought to themselves, Oh, we'll do a Raymond Briggs you know little marathon there because you know he did the snowman and he did the snow dog and father christmas and it's all like well we need a we need a fourth film to run this out well let's put we'll fungus the bogeyman yeah and then we'll do when the wind blows but they didn't do fungus <laughs> the bogeyman they did when the wind blows and it's sort of like <laughs> someone clearly didn't watch this film
1: yeah well it's got david bowie theme song and everything it's got to be great yeah it's... i mean <laughs> that film that film is sort of um i guess again I'm that little bit older than you. Yeah. And when that film came out, so we're talking 80s, aren't we? Um, And, 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 you know, what Raymond Briggs did before, we were still afeard of the bomb landing at any time, of a nuclear winter, of all those things, which now I don't think people fear in any way shape or form I and mean, it wasn't quite as bad as the 60s and the 70s but in the 80s you know the, the cold war was still going on and and to see this this little old couple basically die of radiation poisoning in front of you it is is one of the most um gut-wrenching experiences you can have um grave of the fireflies does it but with young kids <laughs> i don't know why i'm laughing that's a, a guilty stuff but yeah I, I mean i think it's i think it's a fantastic film and um just another example of of how you can do mature stuff using animation um and cover mature subjects um which is something really only the japanese seem to be able to do
0: yeah and for myself i mean i've got a couple of pics here staying on obviously I'm going to a con movie. I would say Millennium Actress is probably the closest to Tokyo Godfathers in terms of the style. The other films, as we said, sort of wrote a more sort of like the dreamscape and um, explore that sort of theme that he that resonate throughout his work. And with Millennium Actress, it follows uh, two documentary filmmakers who investigate in the life of a retired acting legend, and she is telling them the story of her life but at the same time the lines between reality and cinema are becoming all the more blurred as it goes goes along it's much like Tokyo Godfathers it's one of the more overlooked entries on his filmography because people tend to gravitate towards you know paprika and perfect blue with you know good reason but it's uh, definitely one that's worth discovering and I think we'd most to just say now I mean the con filmography is on the list it's not just as uh, much just paprika as steven's highlighted already but uh if satoshi Khan reviewed like made it then we will be reviewing it at some point so um the other one i want to talk about as well would be um, a motion ways another studio ghibli movie and uh this one uh, was directed by uh, tomichi uh um, and uh it uh, basically is a follows a love triangle that Develops between two good friends and the new girl who's transferred into their school. It's probably one of the more overlooked Ghibli movies. uh much like the likes of Porco Rosso, and people tend to just gravitate towards like you know Spirited Away and Kiki's Delivery Service, and tend to forget about these ones. Much like the Cat Returns, as well. So it's a one that's definitely worth checking out, and. I enjoyed it. i I think I enjoyed it because it reminded me a lot of Norwegian words as well, the Murakami novel, um, which is why I enjoyed, probably enjoyed this one as well. But uh, I'd say it's while it's obviously uh, different in sort of its themes and ideas, it's certainly a different. It's certainly a uh, matching in tone with uh, Tokyo Godfathers. So
1: yeah, it's a bit similar to um, Only Yesterday. It's another one with a similar yeah. sort of feel to it. Uh, a very, very, very human. Um, very human, realistic stories without that, without that whimsy and that mystical aspect that so many of the other Ghibli films have. Um, uh, or, inter- you know, interestingly, I you could probably look at. I have, have we even talked? Have we even done
0: a Ghibli movie yet? Yes, we did uh, Casa show
1: We did, didn't we? Which is only a pseudo one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, no. We no have we not. haven't
1: um, we haven't we've met we've mentioned totoro and kiki's and 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 spirited away and and princess mononoke as part of our um hundred films i think they've all got mentions in yeah. various ways but um yeah interesting that'll be we, we, that's another thing that we must dive into
0: is uh there's that we we got these pockets Of uh, Asian cinema culture that we just haven't sort of dived into. I mean, like we've not covered a Jackie Chan movie, we've not covered a Bruce Lee movie, we've not like looked at some one of Jet Li's sort of period kung fu movies, or something like um, Fist of Legend or or just like Fearless. So this, it is,
1: yeah, it is. It is interesting. We haven't done a Jackie Chan one either. I do think the things we're avoiding,
0: but we'll fix it. We've got, we've
1: got. Hundreds of episodes to come, everybody. So uh, we'll get there, and you know, people can guide us to where we should be.
0: It just you when you're saying that. It reminds me of that Simpsons song. It's like we got hundreds of episodes, plenty more to fill. How about a wacky wedding? <laughs> <laughs> do 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 and do, do the- more for years.
1: <laughs> Don't sing it too much. We we'll have to pay a royalty fee, <laughs> <laughs> and also bring in come on boy <laughs> people turn off and they won't know what we're going to have next week or anything so,
0: um, but yeah it's obviously Steven it's your pick it's like our last official pick before we end the year with Kaju uh, Christmas so what uh, are you going to go with
1: Okay, so we uh, Tokyo Godfathers is a is a very mature and adult film. I think I've said that a few times. It's entertaining, but but has has lots of social messages and is a really well crafted film. And um, and then the week before, I chose World of Kanako, which is a really dark. Um, uh, we, we, we've we've had um we've had some some adult times haven't we this these last couple of episodes um so i think i'm going to bring us to a completely different place and i'm going to pick a, a pretty trashy film um i was actually going to pick enter the dragon <laughs> because i was thinking you know what we do a bit of bruce lee but then um then i went away from it then you just mentioned we done it but but no i'm going to pick a trashy film, and I'm, there's a a character from hong kong cinema from this 80s and 90s of hong kong cinema who who produces writes acts directs presents um and his name is synonymous with a lot of shit films but also some half decent ones um i'm talking about wong jing um so i'd like to bring one of wong jing's films to our
0: attention and i'm going to choose naked weapon i think it's funny how you that was on my list as well but yeah um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wong jing is certainly uh an interesting person shall we say he's sort of did he was he cat-free or did he sort of like and sort of around the cat-free
1: no i mean i think he did cat-free stuff as well um he basically makes movies not necessarily on the cheap but um he's very much into exploitation i mean well, when we watch naked weapon it'll all become very clear that um <laughs> that uh there's not that much nakedness in it by the way people so don't get too excited but um yeah he, he makes films quickly um some are good some are bad but then lots of lots of the classic hong kong film stars have starred in his films and become successes and there are some little classics and and um there will be names in naked killer like uh daniel Wu and maggie q and cheng pei pei who who, who are in this so it's not as if it's not full of um, star power but uh, yeah I, I, I let, let me have a trashy film for Christmas please
0: I still remember Naked Killer that being the most appealing uh, appealing, appealing uh, VHS on the video store and it was always behind the counters so it's not like you're going to ask for it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah Naked, Naked Killer is the prequel or sequel to this I can't remember um, but it's got nothing like, really to do with it but he made it
0: yeah. It's another one ching, isn't it? Yeah. It's another it's another uh one Uh Naked Killer is the female assassin movie. So they're so naked weapon. <laughs> they both are.
1: <laughs> but naked um naked weapon's the one with Maggie Q. Yeah.
0: So it's naked it's definitely naked weapon you want to cover. Definitely naked right, weapon. Okay. So, yeah, join us next time when we uh, take a dive into 2002 Hong Kong action thriller sleaze as we uh, check out uh, Naked Weapon. So I uh, hope you enjoyed us in that one. Um, if you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe buttons. It really helps us uh, raise the profile for the show, as does a nice review. Or leave us just some thoughts generally. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter we're ACFilmClub. And uh, you can also follow us on Instagram as well as check out our blog, which is AC, uh, which is asiansimafilmclub.wordpress.com And on there you can find our complete archive of episodes. You can find the mixtape. You can find fun write-ups. There's a whole bunch of really good stuff on there as well, and uh you no, know, just uh check it uh, check it out, and you know let people if you know somebody who likes station similar let them know and if you've got someone at work you don't like spam 'em with our show um anything that helps raise the or, or if stuff.
1: you do like them yeah you know, just, just just spam them. <laughs> just just people <laughs> everywhere get it out on twitter facebook the lot let's get some let's get and and please interact with the show give us write right on our facebook and, and 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 direct us where you want us to go
0: yeah it's really great uh, we got we've got a small little community happening on facebook and it's great whenever we post something on there and even if people just give a little like you don't even have to put your thoughts out there it's a it's a good crowd we're gathering over there at the moment so uh we love hey. to see that grow as well and we love interaction with you guys because hey. us guy's support you. Want me hearing in having us in the view so but uh, that's uh, all of you to check but thank um, you as always for listening and thank Stephen pleasure as always sir and we'll um, be back to time goodnight
1: できる
0: 今まで忘れて